Oh, hello, and welcome to the Real Talk Podcast with your host, Coach T. Welcome to episode 20, where we are talking women's health, more specifically, normalizing really hard fucking shit that women go through that we are not talking about or normalizing enough in our humble opinion. And I say our opinion because this week is a little different as I have a great guest joining me to facilitate this conversation. Riley Grant is an osteopath here in Montreal, my own personal one that I've been seeing for several years, and we are both very passionate about women's health. So we decided to join forces on this episode and connect about a series of different subjects that fall under this umbrella. If you're new to my podcast, welcome. Know that this is a safe, non-judgmental, filled with real talk, no bullshit environment. We want you guys to walk away from my podcast every single week with an aha moment, a breakthrough, something that allows you to think outside the box, perhaps gain a different perspective. All to say, I want to have impact on as many lives as possible around the world. So no matter where in the world you are dialing in from, no matter what city, what continent, I want you to know that every single Wednesday, there is something here for everyone. So if women's health and normalizing really hard fucking shit is resonating with you, stay along for the ride as Riley and I are going to take you through an entire journey for the next hour. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. You? Good. Um, I'm super happy to have you on my podcast. I'm super humbled and honored. Um, really excited to spend the next um, little while this afternoon just chatting. Um, to let everyone know, I got Riley Grant, osteopath, um, my own actually. Super, super excited to connect with her today. We are talking women's health specifically. Um, we are talking normalizing really hard fucking shit that women go through. Um, as you guys know, my podcasts are super chill. We swear it's very informal. It's as if we're just having coffee and having a conversation. We're all about real talk and relatability. So without further ado, Riley, let's kick this off. Perfect. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm always so nervous. And then I just remember like how many conversations you and I have had. And it's like, okay, that's all we're doing. <laughs> we're going to be okay. You'll be I'm totally excited. fine. Well, thank you for having me. Super welcome. <laughs> Where shall we start? Where shall we start the conversation? Um, we chatted about this offline multiple times where like we are shushed we are silenced, we are apologizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really what kind of made me want to, I guess, have a niche in women's health. When I first got into osteo, I, I thought for sure, like, I'm going to work with athletes, like, definitely, hands down, like, I'm so hardcore, I'm just going to treat athletes. <laughs> and then, and then like I started getting my women's health courses and like so much of it spoke to me and, and then, yeah, and here I am. And I think I'm, well, I'm grateful to have this platform with you today to be able to just talk about it a little bit and what kind of led me to choose women's health. Cause I think it is so important. And just to give people 
kind of an idea of if you're not a woman, what it is like, you know, going into conventional medicine and the differences between the male and the female and like maybe some of our needs and how they, yeah, how, uh, how, how we are different. Um, I guess like how we were talking before is that I grew up in a home. I, well, my, first of all, when my, me and my sister were born, we used to always, um, sorry, say it on like tell my dad like oh poor you you're a house of all girls like <laughs> don't you wish you could have had a boy and he was like what do you mean like uh, I bring my daughters to hockey practice to soccer practice we play mini sticks we play like outdoor hockey like he was a very bro dad and we we like just loved playing sports with him and like that was something that was really instilled in us like you know we were jocks and really proud and like, I love that. I loved having that in my, in growing up. And then, and then I hit high school and then suddenly I was getting all these like messages that was like, like, I remember the guys liking me in elementary school because I could kick the soccer ball so hard. I'm like, I felt <laughs> really cool, you know? And then you get into high school and it's like, suddenly I'm being like sexualized. And like, I was always told that I was so awkward because as we spoke about, like, like I, I was always, I was suddenly getting like bombarded with these messages that was like, oh, now you're, now you're like, you're becoming a woman and you have to learn how to really make men feel comfortable. You have to learn how to like flirt with them and you need to get their attention. Like you're not whole until you have a man's approval. And like, I had no clue. I'm like, I just want to score a lot of goals. I remember at the time my goal when I was at prep school was like literally like, how can I put on more mass? to play hockey at a college level. Like, that's all I cared about. Like, I did not care about like making myself smaller. Like I wanted to just succeed in my sport. I did not care about guys. And people used to think I was like weird. Like, why hasn't she hooked up with anyone here? Why is, and I was just like freaked out by that whole world. It didn't seem like somewhere that I fit in. I didn't see myself as a very like feminine person who can put all these men at ease. And I didn't like attention. I was just focused on other things. and. And yeah, so I never really felt like I fully felt in. I feel awkward, like in social settings. And I, I, I just didn't see myself as this like good girl. And, and I didn't see myself as very feminine. And I would find myself kind of apologizing for that sometimes. And um, yeah, I never really thought about it until later, until I started studying some like women's studies and even taking my first women's health courses that you started like to realize how, how interesting that is, how women are constantly told that they need to change themselves. I don't know if you, you felt that growing up. I, I, I love that share. I also really appreciate that you storytell from like a real life point of view, despite not growing up in like an athletic um, family, I could relate in a totally different way, which is, the same message is getting across. I was also told you're not girly. So I had a really like badass attitude since I was little. I was not like <laughs> putting on makeup or wearing a cute little skirt. I was like in sneakers and jeans and swore a lot. And I was told like, you can't be like that. It's not ladylike to do that. You have to have 
these types of, you have to be this way. You have to act that way. You have to dress this way. You have to tie your hair this way. And I was like, not until my late twenties, early thirties, we're talking like five, six years ago that I give the double middle finger to like all those rules and say, you know what? I don't want to wear makeup. I want to tie my hair in a huge bun over my head and wear a t-shirt, my Lulu's and my freaking bombers. And I don't really care if it's not girly, you know? And even when you say like shape and size, that's another thing, right? Like you wanted to put on masks so you can play competitively hockey. I was always told you have to be a certain size because women look a certain way and they have to have this size of boobs and this size of shape. And I was like, not again, not until going through an eating disorder and not going through so much like therapy and work and understanding where everyone is a different shape and size and it doesn't fucking matter and it doesn't define who you are. So I can totally relate on that feeling, which is you feel like you don't fit in, but the difference is, is like, we're trying to fit in a sandbox that people have created for us, whether that be from home or from school or from environments of friends and people we hang out with. And until we realize that we don't want to play in that sandbox. We want to be able to remove the walls of the sandbox. Then yeah. you can actually fully express yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just to like touch on that. So it's not even just our shape. It's like, I, I mean, I was listing them. It's crazy. It's our skin. It's our nails. It's like our body hair, our hair on our head, our eyebrows, our eyes, our eyelashes, <laughs> not cheating your lights for two weeks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> Winter, I'm like, it keeps me warm. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> um, like, it's just, it's, it's wild. Even like our posture, it's just, these are all things that we're told we have to, that are flawed about us and we have to fix because nothing about us is just okay on its own. And then how that like translate to health is that we think like our normal health processes in our bodies somehow are gross or we shouldn't talk about or it's still taboo to talk about things like we shouldn't talk about like our periods or like, you know, whenever you see like in the movies when, you know, there's like the childbirth movie in high school, everyone's going like, oh my God, so nasty. Now I watch them and I'm like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. I know, and I'm like, I know that this is not the common view, but I think it's so cool. Like, I'm like, it just grew this thing. And like, wow, like, I just can't believe it's happening. So we should be more in awe, but we're like disgusted by this like literal miracle. And then even like breastfeeding, it's like so many women that I treat, like apologize, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like you see like a little bit of milk. I'm like, oh my God, like you're like, why are we still apologizing for just like the normal human things that happen in our body? You're like, you're a mom. You're a fucking superhero. I'm your sure baby is like- crying. It's your milk is supposed to start producing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So I, I think that, you know, we live in a society that is much more developed. We have a lot of resources and we talk about these things but we still have like leaps and bounds to go here to breaking like that patriarchal view that is in modern conventional medicine. And if you think about the world outside of like the developed world where we have freedom of speech, there's still like 
disgusting things that go on to women to the health of women so like you know you're still you still hear about genital mutilation you still hear about abortions because the fetus is female you hear about honor killings you hear about like just a ridiculous amount of women dying during childbirth like why don't systems exist in medicare everywhere that is helping women at that time um there's violence against women in general, but also during pregnancy. And uh, I read a stat the other day that more female teenagers get infected with um, STDs and this specific thing was saying AIDS because there's more trafficking, more abuse, more um, like forced into prostitution, things like that. So you can just see by that still existing in our world, like, there is something wrong with the way that we view women because why the heck is our, are we so revolting that these things exist? It's just interesting. Um, and I think how that translate into the, how that translates into modern medicine is that because it's, it's like in the, in the, in, in like this developed world that we're very lucky to live in is that women are still viewed as like over-exaggerators or hysteric, hysterical or catastrophizing everything. Um, women are constantly apologizing for not being able to like carry their workload at nine months pregnant or at any time during pregnancy because each trimester has its challenges or a decreased productivity when you have unbearable period periods or like, yeah, just just things like like that it's, it's like it's really the system is really not made to promote women's health and women are made to feel crazy whenever they have something going on um with their health I think there's um, a couple things that like you bring up that like hit me which are one if we don't talk about it it will never be fucking normalized the more we don't talk about it, the more women are going to feel awkward when there's like a milk stain on their t-shirt when they come visit you. The more we make it awkward when I, example, I'm at the gym and I get my period and I take a tampon out of my gym bag and I walk, I don't have to hide it in my leggings. I just hold it in my hands and I walk to the bathroom. I know. People the amount are of times I've done that. Bro, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's the little things. It doesn't have to necessarily be such big things, but it's like, oh, I decided to wear shorts to CrossFit today, but my legs aren't shaved. Like, okay, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, and mm -hmm. I'm walking around with a tampon to the bathroom and someone is going to say, why don't you like put that in a thing and hide it? Like, I'm sorry, every woman here is getting their period. So yeah. why is it so awkward that we're high? You know what I mean? And I think it's even the littlest of things to make people feel comfortable and normalize it and not have to make them apologize. And I find even in conversation that I have with the women clients regularly where they're in a bad habit of apologizing because that's what they've been doing. And you know, habits are created by repeatedly doing or saying the same thing over and over again, whether it be a good habit or a bad habit. And it's just like, oh, sorry about that. Oh, sorry about this. And it's like, don't fucking apologize that you're like, can't get to wherever because you're in debilitating period cramps or the fact, like you said, you're like nine months fucking pregnant and I'm expecting, people are expecting of you to deliver like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
until we don't acknowledge it, this will go on. Mm -hmm. It's just somehow talking about the contents of our pelvis is still taboo. Like I, I, I'm in the world now where like I talk so openly about these things and I talk about it with so many open people that I recently posted something on social media or I've been posting a lot, I guess, about painful intercourse. Yeah. Cause that's something that I've noticed through clients like and personal experience that, you know, is so like not talked about in women's shame. Like, and it's something that we've been taught forever with Cosmo. And I remember reading Cosmo articles with my friends in high school and being like, what the fuck do I have to do now? Like, what, <laughs> how do I have to please men? I was like, what I have to do like this and that. And I was so overwhelmed and like in performance driven society, I was just like, oh my God, I don't even want to go there. But it was like, it's, 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 yeah, it's freaky. So you're bombarded with these messages from such a young age that you have to like, please your men. Meanwhile, like, so probably like, I think in my case, like jumping into it before you were necessarily ready, that creates like a, a reflex in your pelvic floor of like tightening. Exactly. Um, and it was just kind of something that like, I felt like I wanted to like get over so quickly because I was at an age where it was like, it was like more people had done it than hadn't. And like, yeah. you've been with your, you've been here with your boyfriend for one year. I mean, this is like a six month thing. And it was like, you always knew who had done what with their boyfriend. Like I hated that. Felt like this immense pressure. But like, when I think back, like, what does it mean? And I always try to ask mom, moms this now, like, what does it mean that like you're ready to have sex and I thought about it a lot now and like when I look back I, I'm like I definitely wasn't because I think you should be able to like communicate very well and like tell them like what feels good what doesn't what you like and like to be able to get to that point you have to be able to like shut down all those messages that you've ever had because you've always been told like you should just intuitively know and like it's all about him which it's not um, bullshit. Like should always be bullshit. Exactly. Can I just say bullshit? <laughs> you should not intuitively know, and it's not all about the other person. And I love that you say readiness for you is defined by being able to communicate exactly what feels good and what doesn't feel good without one feeling guilty for it mm -hmm. and two feeling comfortable doing it. Right? Yeah. And I would love to hear other people's inputs on like, what, what else could mean that you're finally ready? Like, I think like, like, have you discussed with your partner, like what it means if you get pregnant or like, have you discussed yet of like, okay, like, are you comfortable just like going on the pill or like, how are we going to use protection? Or like, I think there's always just like an assumption, like, oh, you're going on the pill, you're a woman, like just <laughs> it's easiest, <laughs> you know, like th things like that. And I would love to like, I would love to hear, like, I don't know, a psychologist's point of view, like, what does it mean to be ready? But those are things that definitely for me, looking back, I'm like, like, cause, cause I think I could easily, I'm a person who can easily go in like the victim game. And like, like, I just didn't like my first like partner in general. And like looking back, he was definitely like a toxic human, but like, I walked myself there. Like I, I, I never spoke up. I, I never, you know, it was like, I never said like what I needed. Like, I was just kind of always like, felt like it was like a duty, not like something that I should be enjoying on the same level as him. And like, we never spoke about it. It was just kind of like, you do this because you're my girlfriend. And I get to literally, he said these words, I get to fuck you because you're my girlfriend. So it's like, what? 
anyways, so to me, that was like, it was his immaturity, but it was also mine to not fully understand like what, what it means to be like ready and to actually, to, to have actually thought about what sex is beyond like, hello, you've been together for this long. Now you got to do the next step. I I love that. I also think I remember the very first friend that I spoke to about painful intercourse um, back in my days at like in Seja. And I was like, okay, so you're experiencing that, which tells me a lot of other women are too, because you're special, but you're not that special. And that also means no one's talking about it because nowhere are we reading about it and no one is, there's no conversations about that. There's so many other conversations around sex, but not that. And I found it super interesting. And then it just opened the door where talking to other people as the years went on and on that, okay, other people are also experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just talk about it and Let's make sure you don't feel like the only person in the world that's going through that. And the other part that you shared regarding like roles in a relationship, you know, you can't blame yourself for not speaking up because, you know, I I always explain, you know what you know, you know what you don't know. And then there's a huge fucking category of you don't know what you don't know. And I think at that age for myself, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I kind of just like, Exactly. You lead, I follow, but in a, yeah. it, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. It's a very complex issue too. Like even from the male perspective, like they, they're given a whole different set of messages. Like, I don't think that person was like trying to be like a toxic masculine. No. I think this is just what he was taught. So like, I really don't, don't think about it and be like, Oh, what a bad person. But I just look at it. And I'm like, neither of us were ready because neither of us knew but at the time exactly we we didn't know we didn't know it was just here we are I I brought that subject up and then I went on a tangent but I brought that up thinking like that this probably isn't really a taboo subject anymore and I'm like people are probably going to be like oh wow this is your big controversial post like but then like it like really picked up steam like I think I I got close but like close to 730,000 views and like the amount of male comments, ugh, disgusting. Really? Like, and one that will stick that, like I, I was like really contemplating <laughs> just deleting Instagram, but this one guy went on a tear and he was saying, he goes, and like, I couldn't believe my eyes. Cause like, I've heard, I've never met these people that people actively dislike women, yeah. but I didn't believe it until I saw this comment. And he was like, painful intercourse makes zero sense. Sex is never painful it cannot be painful if it is you're doing it wrong you women are so unhealthy that you just have to invent diseases and problems to like validate all your unhealthy lifestyle habits like eat a salad and go for a run and stop trying to make things up to like validate your emotions your like heightened emotional state I was like, yeah. So like that's I'm like I'm one speechless. I'm one speechless that there are, I mean to say that I don't think there are humans out there who think this way would be a lie. Mm -hmm. But I also think that it speaks 
a lot of that person and not a reflection of your post and who you are and what you stand for. I think it speaks very loud and clear that that person has obviously doesn't have the mental, emotional, physical capacity to put himself in someone else's shoes. If we think we're making fake information up as women regarding sex and being that vulnerable in saying painful intercourse has happened to me and I want to talk about it, like you got to be like off your fucking rocker. I just feel so bad. I'm like, has this person had a sexual partner? Like, holy shit, this poor (laughs) being. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, you're so right. It speaks way more, like speaks volumes about him, but it's like literally in the medical world, there are several things. I mean, he's clearly uneducated, so I, I don't even, can't even try to like argument him, but clearly it exists. And like, I had to like do it. So I, I went on like a tear that week, like, I'm going to prove like that this exists and this is why I never did this whole other post. And I had like 75 things listed, like that can medically diagnose things that can cause painful intercourse. And one of the major ones being trauma, like, you know, many women, ex- anyways, just, yeah, I couldn't believe that. And then follow that up with like probably 30 other male comments, just like misogynistic, like, if you're oh because the preface of this is that like I was showing how to do pelvic floor release on a grapefruit and just men being like if your labia looks like that like just just disgusting comments like invalidating women's feelings about this topic and it just shows you that you know we can be like progressive and talking about things but there is still that these men for some reason still think that what women deal with like that really fucking hard things is comical and so it's like how do we rewrite the wheel because I think we can get a lot of women on board but what do we have to do shell it's like at a point where even the men are standing up for women or the men are talking about these things and you know I don't know if that speaks to you that 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 totally makes sense I think what you're trying to say is like how can we permeate and have a bigger impact where it's not just women who are talking about it and saying like me too me too me too that I I agree with that but also getting men on board and I have to be honest in saying like now being in my mid-30s being able to have conversations like this with men are like still just a handful of people where I feel comfortable enough and talking about women's health and women issues without them invalidating or without them just being like okay, like you, everyone has their period. It is what it is. Like, how painful can it be? Pop two my dolls and you're done with it. Versus the guy who's like, fuck, I can't imagine you're like cramped over and you're hunched over or, you know what I mean? I think there's like, yeah, there's a bunch of men who are getting on that. And I think it's through the influence of like women, obviously talking about it, but I think it's going to take a lot for a wave to hit in order for it to, to change. And I think we're better than we were five years ago, 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, right? Like, I think when we grew up, you know, we're about the same age. Like when we grew up, it was a whole other thing. It was like, shush, don't speak about it. Apologize, na, na, na. And now like, I'm so grateful we live in a society that's like a lot more open to all the things. And yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's criticism. And I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll get to a point where no one is saying nothing. But I think if we keep moving in this forward direction that, at least the kids and the teenagers growing up in the generations to come are set up a little bit more for success than we were. Yeah. And this is like the problem that I have is like, 
is I feel like we're being so progressive and then yet I open open social media and it's scary like the standard of like what beauty is now and like what women now have to be is like Botox uh Botox fillers I mean I follow I have followed this plastic surgery account now out of curiosity and it's like the things I didn't know existed like it's like people get their eyebrows lifted like the, the amount of people who get rhinoplasties cheek fillers injections in their masseter to make their face look longer it's just so the plastic surgery aspect and like injections aspect is one thing but then also like the makeup like I'm sure you've seen the transformation videos it's like the person is unrecognizable and not to mention the filters that there are oh it's just every single filter that I put on I literally look like a different person my dad the other day was like (laughs) I was asking myself, who's this girl in Riley's video? I'm like, it's a filter. It literally changed my face. I was like, but I'm also not above the influence. Like, yeah, I look better with the freaking filter. So that's why I used it. And it's just bizarre. Like, I just, I mean, I feel like older now and I can be like aware that I am doing that, but like an impressionable 12 year old who comes on there and sees these unrealistic beauty standards. And someone just told me last week that that women are asking for boob jobs or girls are asking for boobs job boob jobs as their prom gifts. I was like, oh my God, it's so sad. It is, it is really, really sad. And I think it takes away from like, you know, I'm not against wearing makeup. I'm not against people who go get Botox or you want to get your boobs done. Like by all means, please go do what you want. But I have an issue with it when people are doing it to fit in or for it to follow a trend or for them to feel like they validate themselves or they're more worthy because there are those things, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And like, if they don't have it, they apologize for it. Like I caught myself doing this last week. Like I I was getting my period, my face breaks out all the time. And I I'm not one to put filters when I talk on stories. Right. And, but my face was a fucking like disaster. (laughs) And I got on and I filmed the whole really cool story And I was like, I realized after the first five seconds that the first thing I say is like, I'm really sorry, my face looks like this, but I don't feel like putting makeup on. And I was like, the amount of people who were like, why the fuck would you apologize for not having makeup on? Who cares that your face is totally broken out? It is what it is. Like, and I, and for the person who always says, don't judge people, I don't judge people. I was like self-judging myself. So it even happens to the best of us, right? Where you're like, you know, like, do you wear makeup every day? No, no, some days you do. Some I'm actually so grateful for the masks. It's just like, <laughs> it's hidden. So you can't guess what's under there. Covers half your face, but you become, you know, and like you said, if you're scrolling through Instagram, I mean, those makeup transformations, I was like, I'm sorry. It's not even the same human being. And if you look at that thinking, damn, that's what she looks like. No, she does not. Yeah, I know. I know. I just read an article that, that said that the, cause I was trying to figure out before coming onto your podcast, like how many female billionaires in the world there are and how many of them are from the beauty industry. Um, because as you know, like Kylie Jenner and Rihanna are both billionaires yeah. from the, from the beauty industry. Yeah. And that always like struck me. And like, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just a, it's a wild industry. They call it, they called uh, the headline was the beauty industry is the new oil industry or the new oil money. And I was just like, wow, like it's incredible. 
and like I'm not like shaming them I actually love like good for them like they're exploiting a market that's there it's like business savvy but it's just scary and and bottom line like I would never like shame somebody like because that's just another woman telling a woman another woman not what not to do but it's just like I just wish we didn't have that pressure of wanting to look a certain way I wish we could just be like I don't know I really love I don't know if you know Amy Schumer yes but oh like her comedy like just resonates with me so much and like I know so many men who are like revolted by her because she's so like open and just like a human being and it's just it's crazy like but they're triggered right like they revolt because they're super triggered and they're like how dare she say that how dare she be like that what a bad girl exactly I know um anyway yeah um yeah okay so I also wanted to talk about um like the differences and this is like a very heated subject and I'm not a very I'm not the best person to talk about gender I'm not the most educated but the way that I view it right now is that it's a spectrum and there's kind of like traits on both sides and like I don't necessarily think like for every aspect of you you have to be on one side of the spectrum I think it's like always like moving and in every direction but I do think that on the female side you know we we are emotionally we do have an emotionally driven thing and like in a performance like intellectual dominated society again that's something that we're supposed to like quiet and hush and it's a bad thing but I think like if we can like what I love about alternative health is that we're very like open and we want to harness that part this is what really spoke to me when I got into osteo school taking my women's health courses was that yes, like women, like we have like very good intuition, we're nurturing, we have these like amazing, like mystical aspects to us. But like that science brain is like, no, 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 like this is all bullshit. But if you can like harness that for your health, I think that's so interesting. And then I think that's why so many women feel so misunderstood by the like conventional medicine society or uh, uh, yeah, in the in conventional, I don't know what I should say, but in conventional medicine, is because a lot of appointments are very quick in and out. And a lot of women, it's like the same story I hear all the time, especially with endometriosis. Something that's important to me is like, takes like seven years to get a diagnosis. Women are told they're crazy, take painkillers. You're hysterical. Like, it's just a bad period. Like, hush, hush, like, just relax. Like, it's your anxiety, it's your emotion. And it's like, as horrible as that is to say, but that just reinforces all of this like negative emotion that they're having about, you know, they finally get the courage to speak up about something that's going really wrong. We don't like to talk about our uterine pain, but it is so paralyzing. That's why I'm here. And then someone shuts you down. I think that's like one of the worst things out there that exists. Um, and I think, which is why I love the alternative approach. And I'm, and I'm like a big advocate I'll talk about this after, but I'm, I'm not trying to shame conventional medicine at all, but I, I love alternative health approach to women because like I have the space to talk to a woman for an entire hour about her health journey or like all the obstacles she's dealt with. And that's such a big part of our healing, like that taps into that, like intuitive, the uh, emotional aspect, but it's also recognized in medicine that when you have a stressor, Oftentimes it can be related to like the psychosomatic effect. Like they know that that exists, but 
you know, they, they want to tell so many women that it's not real, but a good doctor will tell you your pain is real, but then also have the foresight to be able to direct you to other things that will help you manage that because it's very, it's the pill and the painkiller is like simplistic. If you really want to get to the root of it, which you'd hope, I believe like a good doctor will do is that they'll have tools to um, like support you in that. So I think like anything in alternative health where they can literally look at you globally and like make sense of the fact like your period pain can be reinforced by this like psychological trauma that you went through or your painful intercourse is related to like when you were sexually abused and like being able to to be heard and to make and it doesn't have to be that that spectrum but it can be like okay when did your shoulders start hurting all oh, the same time that I went through my divorce like, oh, did you ever get counseling for that no, I never made that link, like, but they can't find anything on my MRI or, you know, things like that. Cause we believe that stress is stored in our tissues. And I think women have like this really neat ability to like tap into that intuitive part of like, oh yes. And like make the links between body and mind more fluidly than like, I guess men could, cause they've been taught like, no, shut that shit down. We were not emotional. Um, so we should like, that's what I like about alternative health is that we really try to harness that ability to get people healing, just getting them to believe that their pain is real, making links, making them be heard because we have that emotional aspect and we need to stop being told that it's a negative thing. It's like harness this ability to help yourself heal because your bio, uh, belief is biology, like what you believe you become in your tissues. So, um, yeah. I love, I love everything that you shared and, you know, the portion where you share, you know, even at our most vulnerable place where you go to like a gynecologist appointment and you talk about having so much pain and them like invalidating that you may or may not have endometriosis or here's a band-aid solution. Take this, take that. I, I actually, so I'll be honest and sharing. I lost my period for 10 years. Okay. Wow. I lost my period for 10 years and every annual gynec like OBGYN appointment, they would be pro just go on birth control, go on birth control. You're going to get your period and it's done. But I knew that it's a quote unquote fake period. When you get on birth control, it's like a band-aid solution. And I wanted to get to the root of like, it has been 10 years. I did not get a period. Something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge, I grew up in a very like holistic family where like my mom, when she was um, diagnosed and was ill, we always treated her with like Western medicine and holistic medicine. Right. So I always grew up with like osteos and naturopaths since I'm a little munchkin and this women's health issue that I was struggling with, I was like, I'm getting down to the bottom of this shit. Like I am done with ultrasound being told that I'm going to be infertile, going to the Montreal fertility clinic all kinds of cock of the bull bullshit. You'll never be able to have kids. You'll never be able to get pregnant. Um, you know, they do the internal, uh, what is it called? Ultrasound, internal vaginal yep. ultrasound. They tell you how many of each you have on your kit. I went through all that shit and everyone on the Western side was like, you'll never get pregnant. You'll never get your period. It just, it is what it is. We don't know why. And I was like, well then I'm going to go explore naturopaths and women's health on that area. And it took years, like I'm talking 10 years of no period. And then a couple of years of like trying a bunch of different things on the more holistic place where people started asking questions like, 
when did you lose your period? And what happened during all those years? Mm-hmm. Okay, my mom was terminally ill. I was the primary mm-hmm. caregiver. I went through two work burnouts. I was going through an eating disorder. My mom died. My family moved away. Like I was just going through the timeline of the shit that I went through. And they're like, I just do you realize that the shit you went through has a correlation with losing your period? I was like, I'm sorry, why did no doctor tell me that? No, seriously, Riley, why did no doctor make the link? Mm. Right? And you're like, great. So let's just work backwards. And guess what? Two years, getting my period every 23 motherfucking days. Well, that's a great cycle time. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And I was like, but that's just one personal example. You speak to women all the time. How many of these people are being shut up? Every single woman. Every single woman that I talk to has a story like that. Every, it's like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. So to go back to your point, I am strong. I am not anti-Western medicine, but I am in the combination. You know what I mean? Like I see you and I see your husband who's an orthopedic surgeon and I love him to death. And I'm like, I'm fucking broken. Everything's dying. And he's like, calm down. You need an injection. And I'm like, great. And then I come (laughs) see you and you're like, you need to work on this. Right. For like my hip. Yeah. So it's a combi- it's a combination, but there has to be the self-awareness. There has to be the confidence in order to speak up. And that's really, really hard for a lot of people because we've been told our whole lives, mm, you may not want to complain about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would like for people, so I've thought about this a lot, obviously, because of my, I have a lot of doctors in my surroundings. And what I would love for people to know or to, to like take away from this yeah. too and we can probably do a whole other podcast on like alternative and conventional how we need to work better together but see your you know your doctors conventional family doctors ob's gynees as like the, the people they they don't have a lot of time i have the luxury of time i get an hour with each person that i get to talk to like especially in quebec they're now going to try to force people to have 1500 patients a year like one of my good friends, like a lot, 30 minutes to each patient. And like, she's made fun of like, and it's like, she feels bad. Like that's way too much time. But every single person that I know who sees her tells me like how amazing she is. And like, I don't, she's probably one of the only doctors that I've heard people say like really good things about because she does give that extra time. But most doctors, there's so much pressure to not and there's such a shortage so even our government is telling family doctors now that you're the problem that people are suffering because you're you got to see them quicker like come on let's go don't listen be better at like in and out the questions that matter and like even my friends who are you know it's just anyways so and especially with specialists it's supposed to be very in and out like 15 minutes and to, to just try to remember that is that they're trying to do the best that they can and see as many people as possible. And they're trying to, to really flag the big red flags. So like in your case, they were probably looking for like the, 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 the news you never want to hear, you know, like the major illnesses that you're stuck with for life that's causing that. And that's why they exist. And like, we need them. We need them to flag these major pathologies so we can catch them early so we can treat them so that you can be understood. But just know that that's what they're looking for. They're not gonna like sit, I mean, unless you have an incredible doctor and I'm sure that they exist, 
they don't have the luxury of time. And if you were to talk to those doctors when they first started their career, what's motivating them to get into it? I can tell you that there's going to be that social altruism, like they want to help people, but the system makes it really hard for them to like, it's go, go, go. It's, there's a, like a very, like, in some instances, not the best culture there, you know, or it's like in and out. I think it's hard for a lot of doctors to really, really, and I'm not, I, I've never really asked this to the people in my surroundings, so I'm not quoting them, but I think it is harder to feel empathy when you have to be like a machine and, and whereas people on the alternative side, we get to feel that. And like, it's such like something that I'm happy that I have the ability to do. And I think if doctors, most doctors, if they could, and if they could actually make money, then they doing that, then they, they would, but they, they can't like, they, they literally, the government doesn't allow them to, and like, they literally won't get, for instance, they won't get OR time if they don't have enough people booked. So it's like, what did you get into this for? Anyways. So just Think of your conventional doctors as the people that like you absolutely do need to see because you need to do like your routine blood work, your, your stuff to eliminate the possibility that there is something major because as much as the alternative health world likes to say like, oh, like blame everything on your lifestyle, sometimes shit is just random and you get sick and that fucking sucks. And you, that's why you need the doctors in your life. Like they need to flag the big stuff. Um, but and, and I wish that more doctors were empowered to like give people and refer people to the alternative world. But unfortunately you have to really uh, like advocate for yourself in that world and book those appointments for yourself. If you're going through something and you don't feel heard, don't just let that doctor or that person like make you feel crazy. You need to unfortunately advocate for yourself and find someone who can make you feel heard, understood and really take everything that you said into their hands and yeah I I would love to end with exactly what you just said which is you need to advocate for your own health because no mm -hmm. one is going to do it for you and I know it could be yeah. scary and I know it can be really hard to be have gained the courage to do it but no one is going to fucking take care of your health for you and I echo what you said regarding western medicine has a place and serves a really huge purpose. And I don't want to take that away at all. But I also think that you need to do it or at least consider all the other options as well. I always tell people minimum three opinions on every fucking level. There's mm -hmm. doctors who are just checking the box and trying to get 150 patients in and out of their office and getting kickbacks. And then there's doctors that I've sat in offices for an hour and an hour and a half, and they've delayed all their patients just because they're taking the time to make sure I feel heard and that I don't walk out of the office scared. So I, I've known and I've personally seen mm -hmm. a myriad, and I'm sure you've heard of it as well, but my if I can give any message, it's like, you got to take your health in your own hands. It's the only fucking thing that you can do. You know what I mean? Whether that's holistic medicine, whether it's Western, whether it's a combination, the more you're educated and educating yourself too. I know you're not a doctor, but what doesn't stop you from reading up about it, talking about it, getting informed somewhat about it and showing up to those doctor's appointments going, this is how I feel. This is what I've read. This is what's going on. Can you educate me, help me work through it? Like in combination as a collaboration, like when patients come to your office, 
you ask questions, you answer, and you, you're not just giving orders and telling them, you're listening to them. And I think that's, that's the missing link. It's like the mm-hmm. listening versus just like in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. You know what I mean? This is not like Big Mac extra fry diet Coke. This is like my fucking health. I only have one life. Can we have more than five minutes to talk about it? Like seriously, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any final words and thoughts before we wrap this epic episode up? Oh, I know that was really fun. Like, <laughs> I feel like I got to talk about everything. Um <laughs> It's like everything that I ever believed about women's health and women's health history. And no, that was really great. Um, No, nothing to add. I mean, if people want to reach me, I can tell them um, my social media stuff. I'm Riley Grant Osteopathy and all the ways that you can reach me are on there. And you can, you can write to me in my direct messages. If anything that today like spoke to you, uh, I'd be happy to hear from you um yeah being a woman I mean as a woman I just hope that you can take away from this episode exactly what Tanya said which is uh to to advocate for your own health um because the history of women in society has made it so that there's a lot of things out there preventing us from flourishing in the health department so I just want to thank you um, very much for what you do. I think that you should be really, really proud of the work you've done and the impact you've had on both men and women in your career. I I really want to thank you personally for being part of my circle of health and wellness, but you should be really, really proud of yourself and the work that you do. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And we may just have to do an episode uh, on a different topic together. Well, I'll have to have you on my podcast for sure. Thank you so much. Okay. And there you have it. Episode 20, Locked and Loaded. I want to first thank my guest, Riley, for showing up on my podcast. I said this all the time, but I really appreciate being able to connect with like-minded individuals and spark a really honest, vulnerable, relatable, and authentic conversation. I also want to thank you guys, because if it wasn't for you guys out there listening, there would be no Spotify podcast. So if you're in the car, in the kitchen, wherever you are in the world right now, I want you to accept this virtual high five from my office. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for joining a community that really cares about educating you, empowering you, and having a positive impact on your life. Stay tuned. Next week, a new topic will be dropped, and I'm not letting the secret out, but it's going to be a goodie. Ciao for now.